Have you had time to process it yet, finally? Man, not really. You know, it's like we had helmet reconditioning today and you know, locker room clean out on Wednesday and got with the seniors on Tuesday, started talking about rings. Maybe this weekend things slow down a little bit. I can kind of rest a little bit, but it's been it, crazy as ever. I bet it is. You're halfway to uh, the mark that Haddix is at now, though, man. That's actually <laughs> a, I know I know I know you're not trying to turn it into like, convert, you know, competition. What yeah. have you two in a row? I mean, it's hard enough to win one. That's right. Yeah. Once you start winning them consecutively and continuously, that's that's impressive all in itself. Yeah, appreciate it. Good group uh, of young men. Uh, definitely. Now, how many seniors did y'all have this year? We had 13 on like a 55-man roster. So we got some really good pieces coming back. How many juniors? Oh, man, that's a good question. I don't know if I know that off the top of my head. I mean, we're usually – each class is usually right around 10, give or take – so I'd say we're probably somewhere between 10, 15 juniors. But we had, um, yeah, I, mean, I think we, most of our secondary is back. Most of our linebacking core is back. Uh, we got to replace the D-line. We got to replace really two guys up front on the offensive line. And, you know, the quarterback, obviously, that's a huge deal, losing Cole. But, yeah, I mean, a bunch of talented receivers coming back. And all the running backs are back. So we'll, we'll be competitive again. You know, we'll see. Time will tell how competitive, but yeah, I don't think we're going to fall off the table. Nah, I don't see that happening anytime soon, at least. And for the foreseeable future, that is. Um, what about, like, you, know, you were just talking about Cole. Let's talk on that right now before Doug joins. What's it looking like for you being a former quarterback and then having Chris Redmond there with you, also a former quarterback? What's it like for you guys with the other quarterbacks that you have currently before incoming freshman come? Yeah, so we, uh, you know, it's nice being a K through 12 campus, right? Um, because there's no, there's no trying to go out and find out who your freshman class is going to be, right? Um, you know who your freshman class is going to be because they've been here, most of them, you know, since kindergarten. You, know, you got to watch them play on the seventh and eighth grade team. And so we have, a, you know, our middle school quarterback is, uh, you know, he'll start off season stuff with us in January. Our middle school and high school and elementary school are all connected. So that's great for our guys that are incoming freshmen, that they're already here and they can already start uh, you know, lifting with the high school football team and meeting with coaches and doing individual drills. And then with our, you know, with our guys, uh, we really just have one, Colin Daniels, that's uh, you know, a true quarterback. You know, it's working with him and you know, getting him ready for you know, competing for that position and taking every advantage to, to work on footwork, to work on mechanics, to work on, you know, learning the playbook and, uh, and, and understand defenses and defensive coverages. So, you know, it's the most important position. There's no doubt about it. And I try to spend all year. Obviously, a lot of those guys, a lot of our quarterbacks are multi-sport guys, but when they're not playing basketball or not running track or whatever they may be doing, you know, we're working on football and getting them ready for the season. And that's, that's a little bit of the burden of that type that position. Definitely. Now um, I'm going to get on that uh, multi-sport thing before we continue. Can you hear me, Doug? Yeah. Can you hear me? There he What's is. Up, buddy. How's it going? What's up, dog? <clears throat> Nothing much, man. Glad to be here. So uh, this question is going to be for you and Hunter, because we were just talking. I'm sure you heard that about the multi-sport athlete thing. Now, like I said, you guys, this question's for both of y'all. What do you all feel about the multi-sport thing? A lot of coaches are against that type of thing. But I guess with the day and age and the times that we're in, a lot of people are starting to see the benefits of football players being multi-sport athletes. What's your all's thoughts and insights on that? 
Take it away, Doug. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, I, I, being a multi-sport player, you know, it was certain things that I know that it helped me um, mm -hmm. as I was transitioning through uh, multiple sports. You know, say, like, I went to basketball. It kind of got me a different uh, level of, like, quickness, getting up and down court. Um, and then I was also a track runner, which helped me when it came to just staying in shape for the football ring. However, I will say, you know, the evolution of the game has changed. And, you know, I don't mind kids doing multi-sports, but at the same time, I I would say, you know, if you know that, hey, you're going to be a college football player, or your aspiration is to maybe be go to one sport for college or you see yourself long term, maybe the pros. And I would start like, hey, how can I implement this sport or how can I implement, make sure my workouts, I don't lose anything by doing another sport. And I think sometimes kids do kind of lose sight of that of, oh, well, I like playing basketball, but is basketball really going to help you in the offseason? Kind of like what Hunter was talking about, just doing offseason workout. Like that's a time where you are getting stronger, you're getting physical, and yeah. you are also learning our offense to play fast when it comes to the season. So missing out on that time sometimes can be can hinder kids. So I think it, it's good. I do enjoy seeing kids in the multi-sports, but mm -hmm. at the same time, I also think sometimes is it, you know, it, is it worth you? Now, I will say from a college standpoint, I have seen college coaches enjoy seeing players that play multi-sport. I, re I remember seeing uh, Ezekiel Elliott. They talked about how Urban Meyer loved watching him play basketball. He was a good basketball player. And they said, you know, because he played multi-sport, Urban Meyer enjoyed that. So I definitely think it's a, there's pros and also cons, just seeing how the game has evolved over time. And that's something that I think for us at our program, I feel like, you know, Hunter has done a phenomenal off-season workout, you know, to where kids are getting better for football um, during that time. Hunter, go ahead. Yeah, I just think to echo what Doug said, um, and I'll just share something personally. I, I played football and track at Tillman. Uh, Tillman's got a very prestigious track program, plethora of state championships, and played baseball. And after my sophomore year, I, I knew I had a chance to play Division One football at the quarterback position. And so, you know, my focus year-round was making sure that I was improving as a football player while still participating in other sports. Yeah. So, for, for instance, right, I was a football player playing baseball and enjoying high school baseball. You know, if I had a game that evening and I was pitching, I'd still be in the weight room. And people are like, well, you know, doesn't that hurt your performance on the on the diamond? And yeah, it did a little bit. So maybe pitching seven innings, I pitched five because of uh, because of lifting and, and that emphasis on, on being, you know, growing football year round. Yeah. Uh, but there was an emphasis, you know, there was a priority sport year round, but that didn't prevent me from being a multi-sport athlete. Uh, that didn't prevent me from running track. You know, I played basketball my freshman and sophomore years. That didn't prevent me from playing basketball. But I was I didn't let one sport completely take away from what my what my focus was. And so we want our guys to be multi-sport athletes. Uh, high school's precious. Doug can tell you as well. Like even if you play Division One football and you play in the NFL, like it's still a blink of an eye. Right. You don't want to look back and be like, man, I wish I wish I would have played basketball. I wish I would have ran track. Or I wish yeah. I would have played. No, I don't think you should ever let a coach tell you you got to focus on one thing because high school is so precious and it's so short. And even if you do make the highest level, that's going to be a blink of an eye. And you don't want to look back on, on your athletic career as a whole with regret. But I do think transition from their sophomore to junior seasons and there's probably starting to get a, a, a good idea on, OK, I love playing all these sports, but this might be the sport where my my future 
future is. I would say the same thing for a young man on our team that's, uh, you know, that's maybe got a chance to play college basketball. I don't want him quitting football, even though he's got a future in basketball. Now, if he shows, you know, if he's not around in June because he's doing AAU, then then that's that emphasis we're talking about, right? Yeah. Play it, but have your emphasis and um, make sure that you're improving in that sport that, you know, might pay for your, pay for your schooling, pay for your college. So I think that's the big thing. That's one thing that we really just want to help parents with is um, play it all, enjoy it all. High school athletics is a short and precious time. When you know where that emphasis is, there's a little bit of sacrifice to make sure that that emphasis is being taken care of. You know, me, before we get into other stuff, I, you know, especially going and transitioning from high school to college, I'll use this uh, prime example of Santana Moss. Santana, they didn't have a scholarship for him for football. So he went and played another sport, got his education paid for running track, was able to play the sport he really was there for, which was football. So like multi-sport athletes, there's ways where you can finagle on stuff like that when you get to the college level. I'm going to start with you, Hunter, first on this, and then we'll go to Doug. At what point in the season did you know you had like something special? Because I know y'all dominate a lot of your teams, but there was times when you kind of had a little bit of stuff going on. At what point did you know this was it? Y'all could do back-to-back. Yeah, what so, victory gave you that? Yeah, so it was a process, I think, for our team. And I, I know Doug will echo this as well. We lost to LCA. You know, I, I was pretty frustrated with that loss. Not that we lost. Losses happen. And LCA is a great football team. A lot of great football players. Very well coached. I felt like we got bullied. And really in all three phases. We really put an emphasis going into the Ryle game of like, hey, for us to be the team that we want to be, we've yeah. got to change our approach. We've got to change our physicality and our mindset. And we hammered that all week with our guys. And Man, we came out and played Ryle, and we were even softer against Ryle than we were against LCA. And you know, we were lucky to beat Ryle. Uh, we had a couple key guys step up and make plays, and their their quarterback was was banged up, and so they weren't at full strength. So just extremely frustrated. I think that's probably um, the hardest that that – that week going into the manual game, I think that's probably the hardest I've ever been on a football team. But it was so frustrating to see all the pieces in place, but the mindset and the reality not there, right? Things that we can control. I can't control how fast you run. I can't control how skilled you are. You know, I can't control, you know, ultimately how strong you are, but like you can give great effort. You can be, you can learn to be, phys- play physical, violent football. Yeah, it was just, a, it was a little down, a little disheartened going into the week. And we were able to, we were able to beat Manuel. And that was the first time I saw flashes. It wasn't a perfect game by any stretch. But the the toughness piece, physicality piece, that was the first time that our guys had responded to what the coaches had been giving them. And I came away from that game and I thought, man, if this can continue on the path that it's on now you know, we're going to be really dangerous. And I think by the time we got into the playoffs, we were a physical, tough football team. And, you know, the scores really started to, to reflect that. And, um, but, it, man, it was really a process from that LCA game all the way to that manual game and those those first flashes of, of guys playing tough and being physical and not getting bullied uh, that we said, you know, this team can, can win a state championship. All right. Doug, go ahead. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, it kind of even went back to the summer, I think, uh, and then fast forward to the season. But going back to the summer, we did 7-on-7, seven seven, and I think it was one of those things where – Was it down in Alabama that yes. one? So we was fortunate to go down to Hoover. You know, I remember going down there, uh, and Hunter could attest to it too. And we played our first game, and our team just got rocked. Like it just, they were people seemed like they were scared. They were just they, like, "Oh my Grant, god, it's so much." Speed. That cheesy Hunter just gave says it all. 
Yeah, he saw it. We all saw. He's like, "Oh my god, we might not win a game down here." To see the kids like take ownership in a sense of like, "Hey, we didn't play well at all," and then just turn that around. And from then on, like we just kept winning, and we kept winning to a point. Hey, we we say we probably was about third in the league uh, out of all the teams. We like went to the semifinals. Hold that thought. How many teams yeah. come? To- I really don't know. Yeah, there's 32 national teams that are invited. Oklahoma to Florida to Louisiana to Missouri. I mean, all over the, the Southeast, it's, it's, it's the top. Yeah. You know, uh, everybody was a state champion in their class. And so it was a phenomenal football. The, from the pool play, they break it up into two brackets. So they have like a gold bracket um, where you've got to win your pool to go to the gold bracket. And then you've got a... Uh, You've got a silver bracket, and that means maybe you haven't been as effective in the pool play. And so, you know, just I'll let Doug continue, but we were able, out of the 32 teams, we were able to win our pool and uh, advance to the gold bracket and then uh, go all the way to the semifinal, eventually losing to the overall champion. So out of 32 teams, we finished third. Yeah, and, and that was the thing. And what was even neat about that is, like, the team that we got blown out by in the, during pool play, we played them again in a tournament, and they okay. didn't even score on us the second time. So it just showed how you know, we dealt with adversity and then just moved forward. And that's where it kind of just stood out. Like, we are – like, from a skill perspective, we got a good chance to go all the way this year. And we knew that going into the season, it was going to be a tougher schedule, you know, playing a lot of more 6A teams, a lot of bigger teams. And then on top of that, like, our rivalry teams is like LCA. And like Hunter said, I mean, LCA just kind of just was like – we kind of got exposed a little bit. And based on that, we realized, hey, the team, we got to be a little bit harder on the team, a little bit harder on the fellas, just to let them know that you guys can compete with anybody. You was in Hoover in the summer competing with the top talent in the nation. You can compete with anybody. And that kind of, like he said, when we got the manual and then we looked up, we were up 42-7 at halftime. It was just like, wow, this team's good. This team could be really good. And that kind of, you know, they made a run in the second half and, you know, we, but we kept scoring and we had a big uh, win there, but it just showed that, you know, our team can, you know, take on anybody. They can kind of get that, you know, take on the coaching abilities and just be able to overcome. And when then, from there, once we got to the playoffs, like Hunter said, it was just kind of, you know, I think when we played Central the first time, you know, we won 13-6. But the second time when we just flat out dominated, it was like, I don't I don't see anybody I, stopping us at that oh, time. Like, <laughs> you know, me personally, I'll, I'll, I'll go to Central before we get into other stuff. Like, I didn't see – I'm not surprised you guys won. I'm surprised in that of which the manner you guys won in. You know, like you were just saying, Doug. 13-6 was a close game. That was a great defensive battle, making key stops in that first first matchup. You know, going into it, Central had been playing a lot better. And going into the later part of the season, you guys have been picked up after that loss. Nine out of ten people would not say that they expected that kind of outcome. Um, I'll go with you first, Doug, and then we'll go to Hunter with this. What do you think, Doug, in your eyes and mind, uh, what, what did you guys do different between the – First time you guys played them into the last time. I'm just amazed by how much y'all beat them down, truly. I'll say, I mean, I give kudos to Hunter. I think the thing that kind of separates us, and don't get me wrong, Central has a great coaching staff, great kids. And like you said, they were playing top ball all year. So it was definitely, you know, a great team. But I think after that, when Hunter immediately said, "Hey, we're gonna fake, we're gonna be, we're gonna play them again in the in the playoffs," he knew that hey, we was gonna play them. So from then on, we knew hey, we got to prepare, and you know that was 
four weeks out that here we are putting in plans to play Central again. And it kind of showed that our game plan was going to be better going into that game. And and it and I think that plays a lot when it comes to high school sports. When you have a coaching staff, you know, like ours, um, just that ability to study and analyze and already think ahead, I think it goes a long way. And that was something that, you know, Hunter instilled in us. And we was already watching film on Central, watching some of the things that we can do differently. I was already like teaching some of the my receivers, like, hey, some techniques, because they were mostly the only team that like would get up and press us or have a certain type of technique. So we was already planning that in practice. And I think when it got to that point, we knew, hey, we were going to be trying to be the most prepared team on the field and it showed that game. And that's where I think our kids really took that. And with that, it helped us out as you see the score, I mean, it was just like, hey, we were, it was a different game than the first game. And and that was something, like I said, I give kudos to Hunter because he definitely helped us see that. Go ahead, Hunter. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just to echo what Doug's saying, just such a phenomenal coaching staff, a group of, group of men to coach with. You know, we knew we were going to see Central again. And so uh, we kind of had a run of opponents that we could focus on them, but we could focus on Central. And, I, and I'm sure, you know, that's nothing unique. And there's coaching staffs that do that all over the state. And I mean, Central might have been doing that, you know, with us. So I don't want to make us sound like that was something that's never been done before. But it was definitely a focus because we knew um, – we were going to see them and, and, and see them early. And I'll just say, we, we just have such a great group of young men that bought into the plan, had confidence and had really grown and blossomed, you know, over the course of the year. And, you know, in, in a game like that, you know, Central's a really good football team and, and ball bounced our way a couple of times. Turnovers and special teams, you know, we were able to capitalize on that. And then it, it just kind of snowballed from there. Easily could have been another battle. Like I said, really uh, impressed with Coach Dantzler and what he does that they have over there. And, and sometimes that happens in high school football, right? And we put a big emphasis on being better in special teams. And uh, you know, hats off to, to Coach Hilliard and the rest of our staff. Uh, we kind of decided what we wanted to do in special teams. We felt like um, there was was an edge there to be had, and we were able to, to block a punt uh, early. Or, or I can't remember if it was a block punt, and we were able to tackle their punter. But we were able to get the ball, you know, right away deep into their territory and capitalize and from there you know the momentum swung and, and this is a game of momentum it's 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 high school football it's it's 16 17 year old kids um uh, i think there were two really good staffs on you know, on both sidelines but just a couple key plays uh, that, were, that we were able to make and the, the momentum swung and, and it kind of got out of hand from there but you know it could have easily gone the other way they have the capability the coaches the players to do that as well and so just kind of one of those things that uh, you know perfect storm and uh, our defensive coordinator coach riley he always says and he's this was his 11th state championship he's got seven it's seven at trinity and now he's got four at cal uh, so he's he's done it quite a bit and, and very seasoned and he'll tell you he's like hey i don't care how good a football team i don't care what your road is like to win a state championship the ball's got to bounce and that's true and in a game like central um, the ball just bounced our way, and to our to our guys' credit, they took advantage of it. I'm going to ask a couple more questions with high school before we get into Louisville. Your guys' alma mater. What's your guys' take on? Because a lot there's always a lot of chatter with what I'm about to say, but your guys' take on how schools like Cal should move up in class and stuff like that for the dodo head there. People don't realize you're not classified by talent; you're classified by school size and and student body. But, like, if you guys constantly play 6A teams like that, like you all just mentioned, like, and you're proven 
what you guys can do. Do you even really think hypothetically it's necessary to move up in class or go with you first? First off, one of the things I hear all the time is that, you know, private school kids get scholarships and that's, if you're at Cal, you know, you're, you're paying some form of tuition. And for a lot of our young men, it frustrates me because I see our families and the sacrifice that they make and the squeeze that it is on them for, you know, for however long they're here. At Cal, and for somebody to say like, "Well, it's just an easy ride, and the school's taking care of you every step," you know, every every step of the way, that's not the case, and that that is downplaying you know our family's uh, sacrifice for Christian education oh. and for this athletic program. And so, you know, so proud of our families, and and, and humbled, you know, they would uh, they would take that financial burden on to be to be a part of our program. I think our program is really. You know, I think our sweet spot is 50 to 60 young men on our football team, you know, uh, ninth through 12th grade. We don't have a freshman team with a freshman staff. We don't have a JV team with a JV staff and a varsity with a varsity staff. If you're a wide receiver and you uh, you come to Cal, you're going to get coached by Doug Beaumont all four years. You know, uh, Doug obviously needs no uh, introduction, but, you know, Mr. Football and a little phenomenal player at the University of Louisville and then had an opportunity to play in the right. national Sorry for forgetting you did that, Doug. I'm a bad friend. Sorry about that. But no, you're fine. <laughs> so you know, so you so you come to Cal and um, and you get Coach Beaumont for all four years, mm -hmm. and, and the difference that's going to make in a young man's life, as opposed to a freshman receiver coach and then going to a JV receiver coach and then finally going to a varsity coach, is you, you can't you 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 can't put a put a number next to you know you can't put any value next to that because it's it's immense what you get being with with not just the X's and O's and the, and the technique and fundamentals, but just you know having that relationship and like like Doug pour into a young man and, and be raising up the you know the next generation that's you know it's it's just it's just awesome and so you know we're not built our campus is is big but it's K through 12 we're not we're not built to house you know a 6a type of uh, enrollment I think our sweet spot and what we really have to offer is great coaching for all four years and so you know, I don't want to get I don't want to be I don't want to have a hundred freshmen on my roster I don't want to have a hundred kids on our JV team and then a hundred kids on our varsity team um, I think we're in a really really great spot that being said, that that decision to have 50 to 60 guys on your roster, all of our guys are, are going both ways. We don't have a offensive unit and a defensive unit and a special teams unit like maybe you will see at you know at, at the big 6A schools. Um, that's also a benefit because when college coaches, when Division One schools come through here and they see our guys adding value on special teams and you know playing physical defensively and lighting up the school offensively that just that brings a lot of value in those in those colleges minds uh, to what type of football player they are and so we just feel like we're in a really sweet spot we're going to continue to schedule the the best in Kentucky um, and go out and, and play 6A schools with 50 and 60 man rosters is it feasible or even you know responsible to, to, to move up to, to 5A or 6A I don't think so you know at the, at the end of the day going against somebody that's only playing one side of the ball each and every week all the way in of the playoffs all the way to the state championship. You know, you worry about the wear and tear on a young man's body. But we just really like where we are. 
We really like uh, the level of football that we play. We like that we have the flexibility to to play some of the top schools in Kentucky, some of the top 6A schools in Kentucky, For but sure. also teams that are, are very talented, like Central, like Lexington Catholic, that have uh, that have a history of uh, sending kids to Division One, but are, are built like us, that we're going to see, we're going to play a Lexington Catholic and their best players are going to are going to play on both sides of the ball. And we think that that's a good spot for us to be in. Go ahead, Doug. Just to echo Hunter, I think it also just, you know, when you have a coach like Hunter who understands the key to prepare yourself, not just from a freshman standpoint, all the way up to a senior year, you know, that goes a long way. I think, like he said, I mean, he, he also has a lot of accolades, you know, and then also being able to play D- D1 and playing in the pros, he understands what it's like to prepare and I think a lot of times when people look and be like, oh, well, you know, private school, this and that. At the same time, what are you doing in offseason to get your guys right? Like even earlier today, he's, you know, I get a, I get my alert that, hey, we got our offseason schedule ready to go. Like, hey, we're going to have, this is what we're doing on certain days. We're going to have the lifting. We're going to have, you know, workouts, uh, position groups of both offense and defense on certain days. And then also there's a school we have, what you call football school, where we help the kids learn the playbook um, inside and out. So that's stuff that I think it looks like, oh, well, you guys need to, but no, we're preparing them. We're preparing them not only just to be a good high school kid, but any kid that, hey, wants to go play college, we're making sure that they have all the knowledge, the tools, the techniques, and the physicalness to go play college. And and that's something that I think a lot of schools you typically might not see. So it looks like, okay, we need to move up. But at the end of the day, like he said, we only have 50, 60 kids. It's just the stuff that we teach the kids. And, you know, this with the coaching staff, like you said, we got 11 time coaching, coach, defensive coordinator. We got Hunter, who's phenomenal. You know, I can just include myself just from a background. But then also we have other key people, Coach Hillier, who's been around 12 years, who understands offensive line. And then we have other key guys, Coach Mo, Coach Tobridge, who have been phenomenal just in teaching uh, their skill sets and what they've learned throughout the coaching, uh, their coaching careers and playing days. So that's something I always just, when I'm talking to people, because, you know, playing at Mayo where we were, a larger school, things like that. I see, you can see a difference. They also have, like they said, sometimes a hundred kids come out. You also see the other schools that have a hundred kids just on freshmen. We don't have that. It's just, I think, where we separate ourselves is through the preparation up into the season and then how we go about just making sure that the guys are as prepared as possible for when they touch the field. And that's something we take pride in. Our offensive playbook is not an easy offensive play. It's complex, but it's something that, you know, our guys take full responsibility to learn it and so that they can play fast. And that's why you typically see a D1 quarterback, a, a three D1 receivers on the field that can, that's probably going to go college somewhere because they are have that ability to learn, but at the same time execute the playbook. And, and you're going to continue to see that just through our preparation with the kids. I'm going to ask this question and whoever wants to chime in first can. Have you ever had any self-doubt as a coach? All the time. <laughs> All the time. I think, you know, I think football is constantly evolving. Absolutely. And and high school football, I think any good high school coach will tell you that your team is changing every year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I got to Cal, we we had a 6'8 left tackle. We had a four-star 6'6 right tackle. We had Austin Collins, who's who's playing at the University of Louisville on the offensive line. I mean, we were huge and we had very little skill. So we were in a lot of uh, 12 personnel, which is two tight ends, a lot of 21 personnel 
well, which is like your eye backfield, because that was what fit our personnel. And now, as, as Doug alluded to, we've got three Division One wide receivers out there. We had a, we had a Division One quarterback the last four years, um, and we are we're an empty. And we're spreading people out and we're throwing the football all over the yard. And so each year is a challenge. You know, you're not, you know, we don't recruit. So we're not out recruiting kids that fit our scheme. We're whatever's walking the hallways. And and if there is interest from the outside community and they come to us um, and they end up are, you know, are able to, you know, fit the the Cal model or, you know, have all of those things that that you need to to get into a school like Cal, whatever, whatever's in that hallway, we got to figure out and find a way to make work. And last year's scheme, last year's focus, last year's um, leaders, team leadership, the way that you uh, led the team, the way that you address the team, that's constantly changing and evolving. It's changing throughout the season and it's changing each year. And so it's fun. It's really fun in a sense, because personally, where my heart is from an offensive standpoint, is 11 personnel having a tight end on the field. Um, that's what I'm comfortable with. And that's what I experienced at Louisville and what I you know, played mostly in in the National Football League. This year, like we were in a ton of empty and I had a, a lot of fun um, learning empty and adapting our 11 personnel concepts and our 10 personnel concepts into empty and becoming more of a 10 personnel team. And so that's a lot of fun from a you know football nerd. Um, you love you love that challenge. But within those challenges that come up each year, things changing, dynamics changing, new kids changing. There's always uh, am, am I doing the right thing? Is this the yep. right is this the right way to lead the football team? Are these is this the right system to implement with what we have in our hallways? You know, because I I do think that coaches can cause more problems than than they can help, especially when it comes to calling plays, overthinking things, and so you're constantly like overthinking things and and right. trying to you know and, and that second guessing comes into play. But at the end of the day, you you trust your preparation, you trust the guys around you. You know, I I reach out to our guys. We talk at practice, we talk on the phone. I mean, each week I'm at you know, hey, what do you like? You know, we have we script our first ten plays on offense, and I, I'm I'm reaching out to them and getting their their ideas. And so collectively, right, you're stronger collectively right. when you've got a great group of men around you and a, and a great coaching staff. That self doubt that's naturally going to come is kind of um, fades away because you're strong as a unit. You're strong and you trust in one another's opinion and you trust in their feedback. And you know, Doug comes up to me and says, "Hey, you know, I think we need to do this." And I have some some doubts about that. Like I can lean on him, right? It doesn't just have to be me and and all the crazy things that go on in my head. So yeah, I would say <clears throat> self doubt in coaching is part of it. Uh, always questioning whether you're doing right by the kids. Um, but it's such a blessing to have a great group of men around you that you know we all just we're we're, we're sharpening one another, right? As the Bible says, "As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another." We're very sharp because of of the coaching staff that we have and, and that that helps us play confident and helps us play fast on Friday nights. Go ahead, Doug. Yeah, and I I mean absolutely I think self-doubt does come into play. Cause especially as a position coach, you don't have like it's not like college where hey one of your kids go down go down and you have another four star, five star coming in. You know, a lot of times you have to you know, be able to adapt and next man up. And that sometimes can come into play. Like I give an example, you know, last year, Justin Ruffin, he ended up hurting his shoulder and he was out some games and we was going into the playoffs without him. And it's like, dang, I hope somebody can, you know, hope we can make sure that somebody else is going to be ready. Yeah. And, and you kind of let self-doubt creep in a little bit, but 
you know, we was playing a tough Paducah Tillman team without him. But, you know, it was another kid stepped up at the time. Riley Wentz, uh, we had Trey Cotton, really stepped up and made some huge catches along with Connor Hodge. And, you know, we overcame that. And that's something we see, you know, all the time. But, you know, even coming into this year, you know, we had some injuries. We had some freshmen step up. You know, Jahad came into play and then Connor and Justin continued to lead us as a team, you know, while other players were down. And that's stuff that you kind of just see that, hey, it goes back to, like I said, that preparation of you have coaches who can help out, get the kids who are behind and get them in the mindset that, hey, you can be the next man up at any moment. I think it kind of eliminates and helps eliminate that self-doubt that comes into play. Even going into a championship week, I mean, we were like, all right, I think we're good. We think we're good. That number one running back. And then this that first quarter, it's like, whoa, <laughs> like they just held the ball for the whole quarter. We didn't see the ball until the second quarter. It, I wouldn't say necessarily self-doubt creeped in, but it was like, wait a minute, are we we need to get this going? But then again, we went out there, we had a great, great game plan. And you know, we scored within three plays of the next drive. And you know, from there we just and we trusted our defensive coaches and he, they made a great uh change in the game. And because of that, we were able to take the lead and continue to strive to win the game. But that goes to the, you know, there is always gonna be some type of self-doubt. But at the end of the day, with the right support system, with the right kid, I mean, just having good kids with the mindset, I think that definitely um takes you to another level and that's what we've been seeing at Cal football all right I'm going to ask you one last question about Cal before we get into the couple questions I got for Louisville try to answer in just a few words aside from the sports why would I want to send my child to Cal yeah I'll start a few words that's going to be tough but I'll say I'll, I'll see what I can do number one it's Christ focus football's not forever you know I'm, I'm a I'm a walking example of that I played at the highest level and I work for a living and I've got a family at home that's dependent on me you know, I didn't go to a private Christian school, but I grew up in a, in a Christian home. And, and though that foundation was pivotal, being, being a, a good man, being a follower of Christ and keeping the first things first. And that's, we keep the first things first at Cal. From a football standpoint, I'll just say, you know, all of our position coaches, but Doug Beaumont, if you're a young man out there in, in the Louisville community and you play receiver and you want quality coaching, you want not just quality coaching, but just a phenomenal man to lead your, to lead your son the next four years, where, where, where else would you send them? Right. You want you want Doug Beaumont coaching your kid. And for all those reasons and many more, but I'm trying to keep it short. That's why you want to come to Cal. Go ahead, Doug. Yeah. Just to piggyback off that. I mean, I think it's the same thing. Obviously, it is the Christ focus. That's what you <laughs> <laughs> No, but definitely it is the, the Christ focus. I think, you know, being a Christian and coming in to see how you're able to kind of just evolve and put you know, have God first around everything. I think that showcases a lot um, for kids on and off the field. I mean, that's something that I've always had in my life. My mom, we grew up in the church, things like that. Like he's, uh, Hunter said, I didn't go to Christian school, but, you know, with that, I was heavily involved within FCA. I mean, Coach Hibbert was my basketball coach, who's now the head over at Cal, one of the heads over at Cal. You know, that's this shows like, hey, you know, it was always something that was around when it when I was playing my sports and how it helped me. And now being at Cal, it's like helping kids as well. And just seeing the kids, I mean, you see the brotherhood. I think that that's something else. You know, kids have the ability to kind of communicate and connect. See, um, and then 
be around different types of people and different things like that. You know, like Hunter said, everybody's paying for the school. It's not like, hey, you get a scholarship and this kid's paying. No, everybody has to pay. And because of that, you know, it kind of just shows like, hey, I'm here just as much as you're here and we're equal just as much. And and it shows at Cal and you have that ability to kind of grow that bond and network. And, you know, we when we have like alumni uh, week at Cal, you see former players come back and connecting with their brothers from different teams, different years. And that's something I see that I would like, hey, I would want my kid to be a part of. And then, like you said, you can't you can't beat the coaching staff. You can't beat having a Hunter Cantwell who's going to help you. You know, you we're watching kid after kid after kid be able to go, whoever wants to go to college. If not, hey, how can we help you elsewhere mm-hmm. connect you with other people? So keep it short, yes. I just think it's just, you, you're building a foundation not yeah. just for high school, but for your life. You're talking about foundations. You two guys being former Louisville Cardinals, also having Keith Tobridge, former Louisville player, Chris Redman, former Louisville player, and I think you guys even have another former Cardinal. Chilliard and also Coach Touche. Coach Chilliard, um, his last year, he was a starting offensive lineman. His last year was uh, 2003, and then Coach Touche is a little bit before that. I don't want to date him too much, but um, yeah, so we've got uh, two more uh, along okay. with the guys. Six of you guys in, in, in totality. Seeing one of you guys own and Jeff Braun do what he's been able to do in his first year. How impressed are you guys? And how does that make y'all feel being alumni? Whoever wants to answer first. Yeah, I'll go first. I mean, I, I can't say enough great things about Jeff. You know, he's been so good to, to Cal football. When he was at Purdue, you know, they always rolled out the red carpet and our staff go up there and, and clinic with their with their staff and you know, during spring practice time and whatever we needed to help our to move our program forward. And and you, if you come out and, and watch Cal football play, you'll see a lot of Jeff's offense on display. Um, he's somebody that we lean on to to stay relevant and, and to stay uh, you know on the on the sharp edge on the on the tip of the spear, if you will. On top of that, you know what you know being coached by by Jeff and I know Doug coaches by Jeff as well. Keeping track of his career and the now the success that he's having at Louisville doesn't surprise me at all. Couldn't have been happier when he took the job because I knew that this was coming. Oh, the Louisville football community is hungry, is hungry for this success. And 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 Jeff loves this community. He loves the University of Louisville. He loves this community. Like this is this is it for him. You know, this is the there is no stepping stone to, to something else. Like this is what he wants to be and, and he is absolutely the right man for the job. And so not surprised at all at the success he's having um, and just couldn't be prouder that he's our football coach. Go ahead, Doug. Same thing with me. I wasn't surprised. I think for me, you know, I had him as a coach. So I watched his passion. I also had a coach English as a coach. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So he was a D coordinator when I was there for, uh, when he, um, I was in Louisville. And I watched how he was. You know, there was times that he would even speak during the pregame. We was fired up and ready to go because of the way he talked to us. After that, just watching Brom, even from Western Kentucky, you know, to Purdue. And I stayed in – I continue to watch. I always like to watch, you know, former players or coaches that I've had um, in college. Seeing how he made Purdue always just ready to go. Like when I watched him with Rondell Moore, the year they played Ohio State, I was like, this, I mean, he's a phenomenal coach. And then continuously being ready for those big games. 
when he took this job, I was like, we, we're good. We are going to now, if anything, we're always going to be ready to go for the big games. And it, with that, we're probably going to win a lot of games. And, and it showed just within the first year, him coming out, getting 10 wins so quickly. I mean, I think it's one of those things, you know, I didn't see it not happening. You know, none against the former coach, but like Satterfield, I never knew if we were going to win. I didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, some games I was like, oh, good. But other Big games, I never, I didn't really see us coming out with a win most of the time. But with Brom, I, I can trust Brom and know that he's going to have the team ready to go and have the players ready to go. And that's something that I wasn't surprised when he took this position. And like Hunter said, it's going to continue to happen. And, you know, we're fortunate to have a coach that wants to be here and wants to stay here. You know, we're not looking at, you know, good old Bobby Petrino 1.0 that's like, oh, he might leave tomorrow. And we're not looking at Coach Strong that might leave tomorrow, which both were great coaches, both were to me and I played for strong but with Brom you got a coach that's probably be here as long as the fans want him to be here he's going to be here as long as possible and and that's exciting to see um over time so I'm gonna go with Hunter first on this because it's a quarterback question Hunter I don't know how much of the game you watch and maybe you've seen this play that I'm about to talk about and ask you about that interception Jack Plummer threw on fourth down in the end zone or red zone which ended up being in the end zone against Florida State in the ACC championship game what's your thoughts on that and what's your thoughts on the unnecessary stuff that gets said about Jack Plummer that's not positive because let's be real here the number one job for a quarterback other than to lead your team to victory is to manage and he managed to lead the freaking Cardinals to 10 victories. What's your thoughts on the naysayers about Jack Plummer and that interception he threw against Florida State? Yeah, so I mean, I can't, I've I, I seen that play. Um, obviously, in the pursuit of our own championship, you know, it, it's it's hard to to be locked in on everything that's sure. going on in football. And so I, I will say this, you know, if, if you're the starting quarterback at the University of Louisville, and I speak from experience, it comes with the territory, right? People questioning you every step of the way. You know, it's all, you're you're going to get too much credit when things go well, right? And you're going to get too much blame when things go bad. And if you don't like that, then you need to find another position. Quarterback's not for you. So that that comes with it. And you know, I. I don't know Jack well, but I've you've been able to speak to him a couple times and sat down with him and the rest of the team and had dinner and, and just phenomenal young man, an incredible football mind. Um, really, really pleased uh, with everything that's gone on with him coming into a new school uh, with the coaching change, you know, his leadership this year, um, you know, and uh, both on and off the field. I think he's done a phenomenal job. People are always going to question the quarterback. And, uh, yeah, that, that, that just that just comes with it. One of the things that I had to learn when, when I was playing is that all the ins and outs that go into a specific play, right? Did the, did, if the, if the receiver, and I'm not saying that this was the case, but just if the receiver cut the route at eight yards and he is supposed to cut it at 10, you're depending on him to do that then that can cause problems, right? Sure. If the receiver runs the wrong route and you're expecting him to break out or break in or hook in and he, and he takes it vertical, that can cause problems. Um, if you, know, you slide the protection because of a stunt that you think is coming and the offensive line doesn't see it and now you've got to get the ball out of your hands, that can cause problems. And one of the things that, you know, was always important to me and I know Jack is, is doing as well is, hey, it's all it's always on me. And all of these things that, you know, you've got to be in the room, you've got to have a headset on to know, okay, whose fault exactly was that? You know, within all of the things that, that go into a specific football play, yeah. from even the standpoint, offensive standpoint, you know, even myself, and I, I had a fairly decent grasp of, of what just 
trying to run and different things. But even from from my standpoint, being coached by him, if I don't have a headset on and I don't know what the play is called and I don't know what the adjustment was and I don't know where the breakdown was, it's hard. It's it's I I will never publicly or or, or privately say this kid, you know, this he was wrong right here. You, you just you just can't know that. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said, that criticism comes with the position, and uh, I think his body of work is excellent. You got this team to ten wins, and uh, really proud that he's our quarterback, and um, really appreciative of all that he's done to this point. Doug, do you have anything on that? If not, I'm going to ask the final question so you can get Doug. I think he said it perfectly. He's the quarterback. He's the expert. I, like he said, I think receivers wise, you know, sometimes we might have these biased tendencies. But I also, I think being with quarterbacks like Hunter in college, I can also see where sometimes it comes into play like, oh, my bad, man. I know I ran the wrong route or, hey, I didn't I didn't stop on time. And now you got an interception. Sorry. Like, so I do understand where he's coming from, especially being a receiver and having that quarterback connection. Final question, guys. I want to thank you, first of all, for, for having, you know, being a part of this and the good interview. I'm going to go with Doug first, and then Hunter, you can go last. What are you most proud of yourself with, Doug, in life? Wow, that's, that's, yeah, that's something that often doesn't get talked about or discussed. Moments of pridefulness for yourself. What are you most proud of within yourself? I think for me, it's just, I can go back and, you know, even though I wasn't long in NFL or didn't have like a huge accolades you know i can say that i did i i reached the top when it comes to sports i can also say that i do have a the top accolade when it comes to high school sport um being the best in the state but then i can also just sit here and say that you know i'm a believer of christ and because of that you know it has driven me to no matter what i'm doing i'm going to find success and you know as long as i continue to trust god's plan He's going to help me out. You know, I've, I've also worked for some of the best companies in the world. You know, I've worked at Google, the Metas, as well as Amazons in the world. And, you know, I think because of that, you know, it has allowed me to see the best people, some of the most talent in the world off, not even including sports, you know, engineers, owners, things like that. And then also the family that I have, my wife, uh, beautiful wife, who's always been by my side, moved around with me. And then also just you know, the family support that I've had throughout my time playing career sports. Both my parents, they used to, they came to all my games senior. Having that is a blessing. That's you know, awesome. A lot of people don't have both their parents, uh, one, but then also have them for them to sacrifice and be able to come to every game. That's something that I will always cherish in life. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, you know, I can sit here and say that, you know, I'm going to continue to be a good family man. I'm going to continue to be a Christ believer and follow uh, God. And then at the same time, I'm also going to continue to give back. I think that's the other piece is giving back. This coaching, you know, everybody knows, like, you know, it's always funny. Some people say, oh, well, Cal football coaches make six figures. <laughs> if you look at the, it, it doesn't work like that. It, you know, JC. Because if that was the case, I'm not going to put this man out there like that. But if that was the case, you know who I'm getting ready to speak about. He wouldn't be refereeing all the time. Absolutely. So that's the thing. So that's where it's just having the ability to give back to these kids and be able to just show tell them the things that I've been able to accomplish in life, but then give them the tools that they need, whether it is on the field or off the field. That's something that I will also always cherish. And then hopefully someday having my own kids that I can now teach them things in life as well. That's what I look at. Hunter? Doug hit the nail on the head. You know, I was very blessed to play at the University of Louisville. I, you know, I'm proud of that. I was very blessed to play a short time in the National Football League. I'm proud of that. You know, tonight, the thing I'm looking forward 
forward to most, and this kind of goes along with that, is you know, I'm going home and and my family, we're gonna all hop in the car and we're gonna get a Christmas tree. And uh, that's, there's nothing more in my life that I'm more excited about than my three kids. I've got ten, seven, and four year olds, uh, and my and my beautiful wife. You know, we're gonna hop in the car, we're gonna get a Christmas tree, we're gonna decorate, and we're gonna celebrate, and just uh, just so proud of. Um, you know, our, our, my, my family and, and how the Lord has blessed me with them and family life is hard. And there's a lot of reasons why, you know, families don't always, always work out, but I'm just really proud that, uh, those, those, uh, you know, my wife and my kids, you know, they're, they're so supportive of, of their dad that, that works a long, long time and football is year round and they sacrifice a lot. Um, and just proud that, we're, we're, we're where we are right now. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's happy. You know, praise God. We're going to go and, and pick out a Christmas tree and I, running out in front of, you know, 40,000 fans at Papa John's back in the day. You know, that's an electric feeling, but I, I don't know if there's anything better than the Christmas tree shopping with your family and, and having everybody healthy and happy during the holidays. So I just feel very blessed with where I am and, um, you know, very humbled by, you know, what the, what the Lord has, has chosen to give me. And, and like Doug said, you know, continue to find ways to, to pay it forward and and uh, and point others to to all the, the the true source of happiness, right? Um, and and Jesus Christ. I'll give this a few four words for me. I'm most proud of never giving up on myself. That's one thing too that nobody ever talks about is how hard it is to never give up on yourself, fellas. I want to thank you for your time. Hopefully you enjoyed yourself. We'll be chatting again soon. Yeah, thanks for having thanks us on. Take care, fellas. All right, we'll see you. Bye.